How to become a millionaire automatically. Now, this is a book review of The Automatic Millionaire by David Bach. It's a book that was written some time ago, but it's still relevant today in terms of becoming an automatic millionaire. And this is presented to you by the one and only Mr. Point Five of Mr. and Mrs. Smith. That's Mr. Smith, Point Five of Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Now, I'm not going to keep my camera on because I want you to tune in. Right now, I want to make sure that you have a pen and pad handy. You will be able to rewind if need be, take screenshots, but a pen and pad is recommended because this is going to give you a, a, a good viewpoint of how becoming an automatic millionaire works. Of course, I'm going to include some of my own insight things that I feel are additionally beneficial, but if you don't know, we have an economic empowerment movement known as the royalty movement. It's after royalty movement. We teach economic empowerment in terms of debt elimination, uh, investing, and just the terminology behind it, earning additional income, all things that tie and go hand in hand with this automatic millionaire concept, but this just adds fuel to that process. So you'll hear me reference different things that may be aside from the book, but ties directly in if you add it to whatever it is that you want to do in order to become an automatic millionaire. You may want to consider being a part of our economic empowerment group, or if not ours, a part of some economic empowerment group. Because if you tune into this video, it's a good chance you want to be wealthy. And if you don't know by now, building wealth is a team sport. And if you understand that building wealth is a team sport, then you want to get around other like minds or people who are on a mission similar to yours that way you stay in the game longer because you're tuned in to people who get it, who understand your mission versus somebody else draining what you may be doing and they're throwing you off track. So I'll say that, and then what I'm going to do is go ahead and turn this camera off just for the sake of you being able to focus on the screen. And let me slide this out of my way, and we'll dive straight so, how to become an automatic millionaire? Let's do it. All right, listen. There are only six ways to wealth. And some of these might make you laugh, but it is what it is. Six ways to wealth. Number one, you can win it. Number two, you can marry it. Number three, you can inherit it. Number four, you can sue for it. Number five, you can budget for it. And number six, you can pay yourself first. Now, I want you to choose one. I'm going to give you a little time as you're tuning in. Choose one and type it below. Choose your top two or three that you that you think best fits your personality type. And I'm going to drink a sip of water. But choose your top two or three that you think best fits you. Be honest now. Don't, talk, don't hold back because I know there's plenty of people who are trying multiple things. Some people... Are doing a combination. I'm gonna I'm gonna spend a, a little time on this just because it's kind of funny. You can win it. We all know what that is. We know that it's a lot of money that's being invested into buying lottery tickets. That's them wanting to win it. Them wanting to hit the jackpot. Them wanting to make a certain amount of money. But when it comes to winning money, if you didn't come for my money or didn't have a mindset that 
got you to the point of whatever that winning is, then it's a good chance you're not going to keep it. Me and my wife, we were talking recently about a different scenario, and we were just saying that a lot of times when people are blessed with the lottery, then they don't typically keep it due to the fact that they didn't mentally elevate to that level. So that's that. Number two, you can marry it. So what does that mean? You can marry wealth. A lot of people are looking for a significant other that allows them to basically, for lack of better words, marry somebody who already has money so they don't have to do it or, or go through the obstacles that that person went through in order to acquire that level of wealth. Some people want to do that. You can inherit it. Now, of course, you don't want to look forward to somebody passing away and you inherit the money, but some people do that. You can sue for it. There are lawyers and things in place already who help people sue for large amounts of wealth. You can budget for it. That's one way of looking at it. But the one that we're going to spend the most time talking about is you paying yourself first. We want to talk about you paying yourself first because it's power and you paying yourself first. So let's dive in. Now, these are the rules to live by and just questions to kind of ask yourself, the rules. Throw out the budget. And I know that might be, uh, you know, kind of stepping on the toes of many people who believe in the budget. Now, don't get me wrong. I get budget in place as part. But a lot of people don't stick to a budget. They're not committed. It's not fun. They feel like they're out of – people want control. They don't like to feel controlled. And budget kind of makes you feel as though you're being controlled. So if you feel like you're being controlled, it's a good chance you might not stick to it. So throw the budget out. We got a different route. Be like the government and pay yourself first. It was an interesting story that was inside this book where they basically said that many people, or the government used to allow people to pay their taxes at the end of the year. But what happens is, when it came time to pay those taxes, the government would end up coming up short because many people didn't have the money that they were supposed to pay for taxes at the end of the year. So the government flipped the script and said, you know what? We're going to make sure we get ours off the top. And that's why we're in the scenario that we're in now, which people are getting their money taken from their, from their paychecks right from the beginning. So the government Say, you know what, we're going to make sure we pay ourselves first by taking it out of your check if you work a job. So we're saying be like the government and pay yourself first. Now, don't let 90,000 hours lead to zero dollars. This was a kind of mind-blowing concept. They said many people over the course of their year, over the course of their career, work 90,000 hours. But a lot of them retire with no wealth. So imagine that. You work 90,000 hours, but you retire with no wealth. You put in all of these hours, all of these years, all of these months, weeks, days, but you retire with no wealth. So don't be that person who works all of your life and don't put nothing towards your future. Next up, pick a percentage, and any percentage will do. So we'll get into what the percentage is, basically a percentage of your income. Any percentage will do. Start where you can, because sometimes this terrifies people to have to give a certain percentage. Now I'm saying... Pick a percentage. The author of this book, the initial percentage that they picked was like 1%. So if you have to start with 1% of your income, start there, and you'll realize later that you can do without that amount. You'll, it'll be not too long before you realize, you know what? I can do without this amount. I'm living without this 1%. Let me bump it up to 2%. Let me bump up to 5%. Let me bump up to 10%. And then you want to automate. 
Now, let's continue those rules. It's not what you make. It's what you spend. See, a lot of times people think it's how much money they make. I've been of that thought process as well. But it's not how much money you bring in. It's what you do with the money. Then you also want to understand you want to own a home. And I'm going to go as far as saying own property, own some type of real estate. Because some people don't believe you should buy a home. Some people believe you should rent where you stay and own where you rent out. Basically, if you're going to live there, rent it, pay rent so you can have somebody else take care of the maintenance. But if it's somewhere you're going to own, rent it out to people who are going to be paying you rent. That's a whole other conversation. But you want to own some type of real estate, some type of property, and we'll dive into the reasons why it makes sense to do so. Then you want to pay it off ASAP. And I'll talk about a mortgage hat closer to the end of the presentation where you'll just be able to see the power in paying it off sooner so you can be in control and the banks aren't making as much money out for you as they thought they were going to do. Then next, you want to pay credit cards off in full. If you're in a position to where you have a low credit card balance, at the end of each month, you want to pay it off in full because that not only helps your credit, but it also keeps you from avoiding the rabbit hole of being in credit card debt. Now, if you're not, if you're in credit card debt, then we'll dive into how to go about tackling that debt. But get in the mindset of knowing that you want to pay your credit cards off in full. Next up, here's some questions that you kind of just want to ask yourself. Is your income helping you become more or less free? I'm going to say that again. Is your income helping you become more or less free? Here's what I mean. A lot of times people make a little bit more money and they acquire a little bit more debt. And if you make a little bit more money and you continue to acquire a little bit more debt, you're making yourself less free, even though you make more money. And that's a lot of the problems for the people who they say are keeping up with the Joneses. They may make a little bit more money, but now they want a little bit bigger house, a little bit bigger, better car. And they're making themselves a little bit less free every time they choose that option. So be mindful of that when it comes to you becoming an automatic millionaire. And what is my latte factor? You got to ask yourself, do you have a latte factor? Is this something that you do pretty much on a regular basis that you didn't realize was costing you hundreds? The example in the story, and I'm sure you probably heard this before, but it's the person who, you know, said that it's impossible for a person to cut back a certain amount of money. Then he got to unpacking their day-to-day journey to work and before they even made it to work they always stopped by a particular store and bought a latte and got a, a muffin or something to go along with it and if you add that up and they didn't even include how much they were spending on lunch and different things when they stopped on the way back from work and all of that just on the way they were buying a latte and they were spending over five dollars a day just going to work so five dollars a day times five days out of the week was twenty five dollars twenty five dollars times four weeks out of the month is a hundred dollars out of that month that could have been going towards them becoming an automatic millionaire even though that same person said that it's impossible for them to get wealthy then the math was broke down on how a hundred dollars can go a long way so the question to you is what is your latte factor it might not be a latte it might be something totally different but figure it out and address it because that may be an opportunity for you to become an automatic millionaire the next question you want to ask yourself is do I already make enough money to become rich? You see, statistics show that most people already earn enough income to become rich. But like I said, it's not what you make, it's what you spend. So 
So that means that what you do with it will determine whether or not you become rich. And it might be a chance that somebody who makes the income that you make right now has become rich off of that same income. I remember seeing a video, and it was an older gentleman. I want to say he was about in his 70s. And somebody was interviewing him, and basically they said, listen, you mean to tell me you got this amount of money in your investments? It was over a million dollars or whatever the case may be. And, and they were like, and you never made more than this dollar amount per year? And that dollar amount that he had never made more than was like $16,000. He never made more than $16,000, but some kind of way he became a millionaire. And he got connected with the right people who was able to educate him and, and, and create a testimony out of his scenario. But the question is, if you make more than $16,000, it's a good chance that somebody else has become a millionaire off of the income that you already make. So do you already make enough money to become rich? Let's keep going. Now, this is between you and you. I can't force you to do this. I can't make you do this. I did it, but... I just want to put it out there. You got to, for, for starters, make the commitment. It's never too late. I know sometimes people feel as though it's too late to get on that journey, but it's not, you know, because the moment you think it's too late, you automatically give up before you even start. And that's what happens with many people. Many people quit before they even start. So can you even quit if you never even started? You know what I mean? So you got to make the commitment. So you just fill in this and you might want to write this down. I, blankety blank, promise to pay myself first starting on this date because I deserve it. You see, you first got to understand that wealth is your birthright. Abundance is your birthright. You know, we, we were born into a world of abundance through a creator that's abundance and not to get spiritual or, you know, however you want to look at it, but you just got to understand that it's your birthright and you deserve it. So that being said, own it. Whether you believe it or not, it starts with first saying it and then one day you'll believe it. Now, no, work at least one hour a day for yourself. Work at least an hour a day for yourself. Now, what do I mean? You see, many people, remember I made that mention of 90,000 hours has gone into work over a person's career. But guess what? That person has zero dollars in savings. So that means if you work eight hours a day, of that eight hours, is at least one of it worth giving to yourself? Just at least one of those hours. Is it at least worth given to yourself because if not you're working for all of the debts that you owe and the people that you got to pay money to so at least work an hour out of the day for yourself and that's called paying yourself first let's keep going make it automatic or else so if you're going to pay yourself first you want to automate it. you want to automate putting your money towards savings and investment. We're going to spend some time on investments right after this slide, but we'll spend some time on saving as well. But you want to automate it, meaning you want to make it automatic. And this is easier for a person who works a job because the job usually has different things that can allow you to automate the process. A lot, a lot of times that's something that you can do as it relates to your job. So let's make it automatic. Now, it's a little bit more difficult for a person who is self-employed because if a person is self-employed then they might not have the same abilities to automate it withdraw it directly out of their you know their payments and things of that nature so they do have to use a little bit of discipline 
So it just is what it is, but do it as automated as you can because there's certain things you can do in this day and age to make it happen. But do what you have to do in order to make it automatic or else. Let's go further, shall we? Now, these are the ways slash types of accounts to automate your percentage. Now, like I said, you can use any percentage. Whether you start with 1% or 10%, you know, and then get to a point to where you're living off of less of your income or, or lower percentage of your income than most people. I know people who are wealthy and well off and they live off 40% of their income, meaning that other 60% is being invested. So they're, they're building like crazy because they're that serious, but they might have started with just 1%. So don't get caught up in the percentage that you start off with. The point of the, the fact of the matter is just start. So here are some types of accounts that you can automate your percentage to. Pre-tax and or tax-deferred retirement plans, meaning you can have more than one. I'm not going to dive into the details. In our economic empowerment group, we have access to pretty much a great um, you know wealth-building video that dives into these in great detail. If you haven't watched it, if you are part of the movement, then I highly encourage it. If you're not a part of the movement, consider joining the movement. I just want to give you some things to look into or consider as it relates to automating your percentage. So some pre-tax and or tax deferred retirement plans. Basically, that means some things you invest in will be tax deductible. So if you invest $12,000 a year, you can deduct that $12,000 that you invest because it falls under the tax deferred method or the pre-tax method, I mean tax deferred. Or there are certain things that if you invest in it, since it's already been taxed, when that money grows, if you meet the qualifications based on, you know, whatever that investment vehicle is, you can pull that money out free and clear because that money had been taxed before it went in, so you're not taxed on the growth of that income. And different people have different preferences for different reasons, and I like them both for different reasons. So, you know, that's why I say and or, pre-tax and or tax deferred retirement plan. So let's list a few. Traditional IRA, which is an individual retirement account. That's what IRA stands for. A Roth IRA, SEP IRA, or 401k. And then they also have a 401k profit sharing. And there may be some other vehicles, but these are just the basic ones that were covered inside of the book. Now, choosing a single stock when it comes to investing can be dangerous when it comes to your retirement. Diversify or die. The reason being is if you choose a single stock, that's putting all of your eggs in one basket. I know you heard that before. So if you put all of your money into one investment and you are just betting on that stock, that company, doing so well that you decide that you put all of your money in there up until you retire, that can be dangerous. And that could be deadly to your finances and to your mentality if something was to ever happen. That's why I said diversify or die, meaning that you want your money spread out as much as possible. Here's just some examples. You want asset allocation funds, index funds, mutual funds, ETFs, etc. something that allows your money to be diversified automatically. That's what we're all about, trying to automate it, but make it to where you have some Diversification meaning that if the stocks or the market is down in one area, you got your money in somewhere else where it's growing. Now, people take chances and invest in single stocks, but usually they know what they're doing, and that's not where they're putting their retirement. That's just where they're trying to grow their income during their working years. Now, automate for a rainy day, because I know we talked about putting money towards 
investing and picking that percentage, but you also want to automate for a rainy day. And you might want to figure out a way to divvy up your percentage of paying yourself first, but you want to automate for a rainy day. In our economic empowerment group, we have what's known as the PCP. The PCP has where you want to put money towards an e-fund, an emergency fund, a contingency fund, whatever you choose to call it. Automating for a rainy day. Basically, you decide how much of a cushion you need. And this number is solely based on your current expenses. So based on your lifestyle, everybody has different lifestyles. You want to base it on that. So if three months of living expenses is what you want to save towards your rainy day, which is a recommended amount, if your monthly expenses are $2,000 a month, then you want $6,000 in that savings. If your monthly expenses are more or less, then you just do the math. Number two, treat it like a fire extinguisher. Treat it like a fire extinguisher that's trapped inside of a glass case. I know you've seen those fire extinguishers trapped inside of a glass case, and many times they stay inside of the glass case. So what does that mean? The only time that glass case will get broken or shattered is if it's an actual fire. So you want to treat it like it's a fire extinguisher it's trapped inside of a glass case, meaning you won't touch it unless it's a fire, unless it's a real deal emergency, not because, you know, you wanted to do some extracurricular or whatever the case may be. You want to do your best. And I know it's easier said than done. Don't get me wrong. We dip in certain funds and different things. So trust me, I get it. But that's how serious you want to treat it so that you can find alternative ways to tap into your potential of growing your money, making some money, or just realizing, you know what, I don't necessarily even need that thing because it's not an emergency, whatever it up happening but just think from that mentality number three put it in the right place you see when you put a certain amount of money together in the form of a rainy day savings you don't necessarily want to just have it in the bank you don't want to just have it in a checking or savings account because if it's not earning interest then it's like burying it in the backyard meaning that it's just there possibly dissolving unless you got it wrapped up right so you want to make sure you put it somewhere in the right place that gives off some great safe rates. This is not where you're putting, you know, your money in hopes that it grows to a large amount. Just some safe rates because the thing about getting some safe rates is you can access the money rather easily if you need it. A couple of days you can get it. You know, depending on where what institution you use, you may be able to get it pretty pretty quick. And that's the goal. But you want it somewhere where it can at least be growing in interest and possibly offsetting inflation. You know, so that's a whole other conversation. But here's some examples. Government bonds. They have I bonds and EE bonds. And, you know, the I bonds is an inflation bond. The EE bonds that was listed inside of the book are Patriot bonds. And I won't go into details on that, but just something for you to look into. And money markets, you know, putting your money somewhere where it's a safe investment. You can get access to it, but it's growing in interest. However, if you're in credit card debt, listen up. Because many people are in credit card debt. And, you know, the rules shift a little bit. And here's why. If you're in quite a bit of credit card debt, then build up one month of expenses in previously mentioned accounts. Then concentrate on the debt because it doesn't make sense to be earning 1-5% in a money market account while paying 20% in credit card interest. I'm saying that again. You want to put together one month of expenses, but then concentrate on the debt because it doesn't make sense to be earning 1-5% to in a money market account while paying 20%. In credit card interest. You see, if your credit card interest is high like that, which many credit cards 
or our credit card and you know we you know don't really use it like that but you know what i mean we've had it up and had it down and things of that nature but our credit card is 10 percent, which is low in the in the realm of credit cards for the most part outside of the low interest startup rates we've had ours for years and it's at 10 percent, which is pretty low but many people pay 21 percent 17 percent on credit cards so if your credit card interest is that high it doesn't make as much sense for you to be saving and your money growing at one to five percent is actually an investment for you to go ahead and pay that high interest credit card off. So say one month of expenses, which is recommended by this book, and then go ahead and start knocking out that credit card. Now, in our economic empowerment movement, we still recommend people to save up to three months of living expenses just because of the added cushion that's built into it. So if you're a part of the economic empowerment movement, let's get you to three months living expenses as, as quickly as possible. Or 3000 is the mini emergency fund, basically. Mini emergency, 3000 fund, and then go from there. So $3,000 emergency fund or rainy day fund, then start tackling that credit card debt. Because if you have a high interest credit card debt, it's eating into your wealth and it's impossible for you to get wealthy and become an automatic millionaire if you're overpaying in interest to that degree. Now, you want to pay for the past and the future. This is something that you can do. Pay for the past and the future. So let's say that you chose a percentage when you said you weren't going to commit to yourself to becoming an automatic millionaire because you deserve it. Let's say you chose a 10% percent saying, you know what, I'm going to pay myself 10%. You can consider splitting that 10% and paying 5% to your past, which is your debts, your credit card debt, and 5% to your future, which is your investment, your retirement accounts as we listed. So that's one thing you could do. And if your percentage was different, split it however it is. If you chose 1%, split 0.5 and 0.5. But do what you have to do to make sure you're putting money towards the future and the past. That's important because I talked to somebody recently and they were talking about how they were debt free, but they really kind of felt as though they were starting all the way over because a person who's debt free that doesn't have any assets, you know, kind of feels broke. It's good that they don't have any debt, but no assets is, is like broke, broke. But if you have some debt, and you got some assets, it's a little bit of blood that could be fueling your wealth because you at least got some assets that's growing simultaneously. So I said that to say this, pay your past and your future because what you're putting towards assets matter more than you may realize. Bonus. Inside our economic empowerment group, we teach what's known as income shifting. So if you're working a job, one of the ways to expedite paying off your credit card debt or building up your savings is Understanding how the W-4 works. If you correct that W-4 withholding and now you put that extra money towards knocking out that credit card debt, you can pay it off a lot faster. You put it towards that rainy day fund, you can get there a whole lot faster. And you want to snowball it. So if you have multiple credit cards, you start off with that lowest balance, pay it off, and then that amount that you was putting towards that, you jump to the next credit card, pay it off. That's called snowballing because it allows you to gain some momentum. Because if you aim at the biggest card, sometimes people get discouraged before they even complete the largest card. So if you just knock off a $100 credit card balance, $500 credit card balance, and you just keep snowballing, it gives you that momentum, and you're able to use the strategy of income shifting to build some real wealth, just to kind of throw that out there. Now, in addition to that, 
I want you to do this. Good night, fellas. Yeah. Good night, fellas. Y'all came in mid presentation, but it's all good. The fellas said good night, everybody. I'm coming up there and checking on y'all. Close the door. Now, in addition to this, and I know I'm giving you a lot, so take notes, screenshot, whatever you have to do. You want to buy a home. Here are six reasons why. Number one, it's a forced savings. So when you're buying a home, you're forcing yourself to save. Here's a quick story. We bought our home, and we bought right. Many people don't buy right, and we didn't. I knew I was buying right, but I didn't know the end result would end up like this. Here's what I mean. We paid a lot less for the home than what the area would have deemed it being worth because I contacted the owner of the property directly and and avoided some of the other fees that would have came from if the house was on the market and going through the realtor and all of that. So we bought with some equity kind of built into it. Fast forward two plus years later, or about two years later, we got over $30,000 in equity in the home. So buying a home, it kind of forces you to save because many people, when they buy their home, each payment is at least opening up the opportunity to have some more equity in your home. Now, that's not the, our scenario is not the case for most people. Most people wind up having a home that's worth less than what they pay for. They kind of buy similar to how they buy their car. When you pull off the lot, it's worth less than what you just paid for. It. And most people buy their homes in their way. However, if you're at least paying month, month after month, you put yourself in a position to end up investing for home equity or the property value raises in the area and some other equity comes from that as well. So number one is a forced saving. Number two is leverage because you didn't put as much money down as the house is worth itself. So you might have got a house that was $250,000. You might have put 5% down or 20% down, depending on if it's your first home or not. Or if you had a VA loan and you was able to put 3.5% down, but you were able to still acquire a home that might have been worth a quarter million dollars. So that's leverage. And also, in the same sentence, you tap into OPM, which is other people's money. And how that breaks down is this. You might have 5 to 1 leverage or sometimes 20 to 1 leverage. So the 20 to 1 is kind of what I broke down. Just for simple numbers, if a person pays for a home that's $100,000 and they put down 5%, 5 that's 20 to 1 leverage. But if they put down 20%, that's 5 to 1 leverage. Basically, you put up a certain percentage, but the OPM, which is other people's money, James' money, they put up the other 95%. Or the other 80%, depending on your scenario, or it could be even lower. So you're able to tap into using the bank money. So it kind of goes hand-in-hand -hand with leverage. Number four, tax incentives. We don't have to go into deep into that. Number five, pride of ownership. Many people have pride in ownership. Number six, real estate has a proven track record as an investment. Now, I will say this. As it relates to buying a home, of course, like I said, you don't have to buy a home for you because not everybody desires to own a home. But having real estate has its perks if you want to acquire it from an asset standpoint. Even if you rent where you live and then you buy some form of real estate that you leverage in the form of asset as a form of forced savings, as a form of tapping into the tax incentives that come along with it, whatever it means to you do it, but you want to own some type of real estate but just because it diversifies your asset column. 
You don't want to just have stocks and bonds and things of that nature. You want to have a business, if, if at all possible. You want to have some real estate, if at all possible. So now you're diversifying your portfolio. So buying a home or buying it as a form of an investment property is beneficial to you becoming an automatic millionaire. No, buy what you can afford. Many people mess up right here. Buy what you can afford. A key rule of thumb is 29% of your gross income. So if you make $100,000, and this might seem crazy, if you make $100,000, then you want to make sure that you are buying based on the 29% of your gross income. 29% of your gross income will determine how much home you can buy. That just 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 keeping it honest. Twenty nine percent of your gross income, and and I won't get into the formula, but basically make sure you don't overbuy in terms of your home when it comes to how much you got to pay on a month to month basis. That's what it's based on. It's not saying you only if you make a hundred thousand dollars you buy a twenty nine thousand dollar home. No, that's not feasible. But based on a month to month basis, you want to spend twenty nine percent of your gross income should be going towards your home. So if you make $1,000 a month, 290 of it should be going towards your home. If you make 100000 a year, in a year, 29000 of it should be going towards your home or less. So that's what I'm talking about. 29% of your gross income should go towards paying for your home. And then, of course, you got other expenses, bills, and things of that nature. But what that does is keep you from being so strapped to the home. Because some people make a lot of income, but they are less free because of the additional income that they make. And they're less free because they're strapped and they are really almost a slave to the home because the home is taking 60% of their gross income. So don't put yourself in that position. Then you want to pay it off early. And I say bi-weekly. Because that's what the book said. But there's a couple of other options that we'll get into. But bi-weekly, you want to pay it off early if you plan to maintain control of the property. Some people don't ever plan to pay off their properties because they got a different strategy. But if you're starting this thing off kind of early and you want to maintain control of the property, you pay it off early because it saves you so much in terms of interest. It saves you so much in terms of, you know, uh, different things. And it saves you years. So saves you thousands, saves you years, and I'll give you some examples on how that works. Now, here's a quick snapshot, and we won't be here too long. We're going to wrap up as it relates to the automatic millionaire. So let me move this thing out of the way. Hopefully you can see this. We got the automatic millionaire versus the average Joe. But here's a snapshot. Now, fee versus no fee. As it relates to automatic and paying bi-weekly on your home, there may be some type of fee involved in order for you to automate that process. I'm not sure. But make sure you understand this. Automating every two weeks may cost a fee. But remember, don't be penny-wise and dollar-foolish. Don't avoid the minimum as it relates to how much you might pay out in order to make this thing automatic and be dollar foolish not realizing how many thousands you save. So here's a fee-free option, or two fee-free options. Add 10% to every mortgage payment, that's number one, or pick one month out of the year and make a mortgage payment twice. Those are the two options. You can add 10% to every mortgage payment or pay one month out of the year twice. Just two options, so consider both of those. Now, 
This is how that looks. By year three, if this and this is based on a quarter million dollar home. So say this for these two people, automatic millionaire average though, about a quarter million dollar home, two hundred and fifty thousand. By year three, the automatic millionaire uh, owes two hundred and thirty six. The average Joe owes two hundred and forty three. By year thirteen, the average Joe owes two hundred and four thousand on the home. The automatic millionaire owes one hundred and sixty thousand. The average Joe by year twenty three, the average Joe still owes one hundred and seventy seventeen thousand. Meanwhile, the automatic millionaire has paid their home off completely. And then by year thirty, the average Joe has you know finally paid off their mortgage, but the automatic millionaire is rich because during these seven years, they've been investing and investing and investing, so their money is making more money. Meanwhile, the average Joe was still paying on their home, and it's just a breakdown of how it works because if you pay every two weeks, what it does is put an extra payment on your home every single year, so it's like you're making 13 payments throughout the year versus just 12, and it allows you to pay your house off on average seven years earlier but sometimes you can do it sooner depending on how hungry or aggressive you want to get with the process but just wanted you to know the power of it now before we wrap up we got to talk about automatic tithing to a charity of your choice this is not saying that you have to give specifically to a church you just want to be given just want to be putting that kind of energy out there and when it comes to wealth building it's not a lot of wealth books that you can read that's going to tell you not to be giving to some type of charity or tithing to some degree because there's power in that. See, these are the things you have to understand. Givers attract abundance. Giving is a spiritual principle. So whether you can see it or not, sowing and reaping is real. Giving and receiving is real. So it's a spiritual principle that you cannot avoid even if you try to. A lot of times people feel as though the more they give, the more they continue to receive. And it's just like they can't cut off the flow. So you want to be given to whatever degree makes you fit. And it makes you feel like a millionaire in advance. Because if you notice that when you give to somebody or you give to a, a cause that you believe in, you feel good. Even if it was your last. So even if you didn't feel like you had it, had it like that, you just feel good because of the giving. So tap into it. And if you can automate that process, say, you know what, I'm going to give to this charity every so often because I want to keep the flow of abundance coming towards me. You never know what type of things can come your way in the form of additional income, raise at your job, business opportunities, things of that nature that allow you to draw in more income potential and hit your goals a whole lot sooner. Now, let's get into some closing remarks and we'll wrap it up. You cannot become an automatic millionaire with credit card debt. It just is what it is because the credit card interest rate is usually so high that it's stripping you of your wealth versus your money making the amount of money that you're paying in interest. That's that. Borrow money to make money, not to lose it. You see, when you're buying a home or a property, you're really borrowing to make money. Yeah, you might be living in it, but it's equity and things that come along with it that can make that home turn into, a, turn into an asset. Some people feel as though your home is not an asset. And I get it from the typical standpoint. But in this day and age, if you understand home ownership from a home-based business owner standpoint, your home can possibly be almost like an asset because you're getting so many different tax deductions from operating your business out of your home. You're able to write off so many different things 
you know, utilities and phone bills, things that you're paying for out of your household, you're able to write those things off. So, you know, it can make your home an asset. But outside of that, if you just buy a home the typical way and you're not thinking about it from that angle, borrowing money to make money is a good strategy as it relates to real estate and buying your home as well. So don't borrow to lose money. That's what credit cards are. That's what, you know, some people do when they just take out a loan that doesn't go towards anything that could potentially be an asset. Borrow money to make money, not to lose money. But above all, pay yourself first. And I know you heard me mention a few times that we're part of the economic empowerment movement, the royalty movement to be exact, when we talk about income shifting and strategies and how you can use a game plan and blueprints to bring this automatic millionaire stuff to life. You know, and if you've not seen the video where I talked about creating or basically understanding where you are by determining your net worth, I highly recommend you go watch their training so you can do the numbers, do the math, and see where you are in terms of your net worth because it makes this automatic millionaire process flow right into it. And now you know where you are and you know where you need to be heading. So you want to do that first and foremost but at least get in the flow of automating some things so that way when you do go back and determine your network, you're at least in the position to be growing your network weekly, bi-weekly, monthly, because you're automating the process. And if you want to be a part of the Economic Empowerment Group, leave a comment or reach out or make the link attached to it, depending on where you're seeing this video, if you're not already a part of the group. And if you know about the group and you used to be a part of the group, I highly recommend you get reacquainted so you can really get yourself and understand that you got to take control. It doesn't matter who's in office. It doesn't matter what political party is doing what. You have to take matters into your own hands, take your family into your own hands. And the only way to do that is by paying yourself first. That's all I got. Mr. Smith, point five of Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Let me know your greatest takeaway. If you read the book, what are some takeaways that I might have left off? Mr. Smith, signing out. Salute.